to talk to you guys uh, to let you know some things that are happening. Uh, from now on, uh, we are going to go 10:30. Uh, we're going to go live at 10:30, regardless of where we are in our service. Uh, in the past, we've had to kind of wait because we had some licensing issues, but we were able to get a streaming license. So that's going to um, allow us to go ahead and put the words up and those kinds of things like we do in, in this service. So uh, we are going to be doing that. And then also this morning, uh, for those of you that may not have gotten the message, uh, we put it on Facebook, but um, at the end of the service, we're going to continue the live stream and go right into our communion service. And so if you're watching at home, you will be able to join us and, and be a part of that. Uh, for some of you who are watching online, you may be wondering what's going on here. Uh, we have been meeting here since, Jan, uh, since uh, June, and we've been slowly uh, working things back to trying to implement some of the things that we had to uh, stay away from for a while. Um, so we, as a board, have met, we've talked about it, and, and personally, I think we're gonna be dealing with this for probably somewhere between the next six months to a year. And so realistically, we just felt that we had to start moving forward. Um, and so we want to do it in a, in a safe way, but we also, we realize that there are two groups. There's a group who's really comfortable and there, there's a group who's not. And so uh, we have the online uh, ministry then to, to people who uh, are not quite comfortable yet or are in situations where it's just not wise for them to do it. And then uh, we have... Uh, also the situation then with, with people who do want to start uh, getting back together. And so our goal is to try to minister to uh, the whole family, to um, the, the physical needs as well as the mental, uh, spiritual, social uh, needs as well. Uh, so we do things like we're doing the contact tracing. We keep track of who's here so we can notify them. Um, we, a few weeks ago, started adding special music now. And then uh, actually this morning was the first time we had children's sermon since uh, March. So we're doing that a little bit differently now. And uh, we've got our first fellowship plan for the end of the month. So uh, I understand the numbers are higher in our area right now. But again, as we go forward, uh, we want to try to do it. Um, we want to try to do it in a safe way, but we also want to try to do it in such a way that uh, we can meet what, what I believe the, the social need, uh, the emotional needs are getting greater and greater. And uh, uh, so when you are ready, uh, we would love to have you and join us. I just want you to be aware that, uh, you know, when you come in, it could be a little bit overwhelming for you uh, because uh, it's a lot uh, when you just first step in here. But you have to realize we've been working at this slowly for four months um, to get where we are now. So uh, when you're ready, we encourage you to join us. We'd love to have you, uh, and we will do what we can to uh, meet the needs while you're here as well. Back to our story, uh, Moses. And uh, we have been on this journey for a while, actually 31 weeks to be exact. And we're going to keep going because uh, it'll take us all the way up till Christmas. We've talked about Moses and, and what we, um, the point that we're at right now in the story of Moses is uh, basically the Ten Commandments have been given twice, actually. And Moses is now getting ready to meet with the people. And he's going to give them the instructions for the tabernacle. Now, when we talk about the tabernacle, the tent of the meeting, and uh, tent of the congregation, and, and all those kinds of things, there are a lot of routes to go when we talk about this. First of all, in the book of Exodus, we're talking about covering about, this morning we're going to cover about 10 chapters. Okay? So, hang on. 
I uh, hope you brought lunch. No, uh, no. So we're going to cover about 10 chapters uh, in, in a short amount of time. And there's all different kinds of ways you can go. You can look at the, some, uh, the symbols uh, and the fact of things like, you know, okay, the wood represents the humanity of Christ, the gold's the deity of Christ, the silver's a redemption of Christ. You can, you can talk about the, 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 the layout and the order of things. You can talk about uh, the numbers that are involved in this and why that number over this number and, and you know, 12 pieces of, sh- of bread and four corners on the show bread table. And you get into all of that stuff. And I started down that road when I started studying for this. Then I started realizing, okay, wait a minute. You know, I like things clear and simple. I like things, let's go back to some of the basic stuff with it. So with that in mind, I'm going to give you a great big broad brush picture uh, of basically what I think is probably the key ideas regarding the temple or the tabernacle, all right? So let me give you a couple of verses. Um, one of them is in Leviticus, and actually this verse is, is uh, reiterated. It's, it's used again in the book of Revelation, but here's what it says. I will set my tabernacle among you. This is God speaking. My soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. This is essential to understand the tabernacle. God wants to be in the middle of his people. In the book of Exodus, chapter 15, uh, here's, uh uh-oh, what happened? Uh, What happened there? Uh, Yeah, there we are. Uh, Exodus 25. Uh, And actually, this starts the big section uh, of this about the tabernacle. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they may bring me an offering of every man that gives it willingly with his heart, and you shall take my offering. So the idea is this wasn't a forced giving. This was these people wanted to give. And this is the offering which you shall take of them, gold, silver, brass, blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skin, dyed red, badger skins, shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, for the sweet incense, Onyx stones, stones to be set in the ephod and the breastplate. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I will show thee. After the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. Now, when you keep going on in the book of Exodus, he talks about all of this stuff. All right. So what I want to do is I want to give us a great big picture of this thing. And I'm hoping to go down a road this morning that you've probably never been when we talk about the tabernacle. Because I want to make it very, very realistic to you. I want you to really understand, you know, a lot of times we think about this and we think it in terms of buildings, but we don't really talk about it in terms of what this meant to these people at this time. So let me give you some really quick ideas. Here's the idea of the tabernacle, okay? You see that north, south, east, and west? There's a big perimeter all the way around the tabernacle. You came into the outer courtyard and there's the altar of the burnt offerings and the golden lamp stand, or, or the bronze laver, I'm sorry. Then you have a little building. And in that building was the holy place and the holy of holies. The holy place is where the priest went. It's got a lamp stand in it, the showbread, the altar of the incense. And then you have the holy of holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was, Indiana Jones. And you, <laughs> we know, unfortunately, we know more of that, about that than we do the Bible, but that's sad. But anyway, all right. The Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant is, the high priest went in there one time a year. So here's another idea of it. This is kind of what it would, would have looked like, this kind of idea. with the big That fence is about seven to eight feet high, depending on how you read the cubit. We'll talk about that in a second. Here's another idea. You can kind of see how it was laid out. Uh, and then here's an idea of the actual the tabernacle itself that we call the tabernacle. And you see the, 
the, the holy place is in the front part of it, and the back part of it is the Holy of Holies. Here's an idea of the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark itself is made of wood covered with gold. That lid, uh, known as the mercy seat, is solid gold. Okay? So this is kind of an idea. This is where God would dwell. Uh, once a year, it's interesting um, as we look at different aspects of it. So with that in mind, let me talk about some, some practical stuff to, to kind of help you uh, put some uh, uh, flesh to this thing. Okay? When we talk about size, we have a problem. And the reason we have a problem is because we don't know how long a cubit was. A cubit technically is from your elbow to here. Okay? So from the end of your elbow to the tip of your middle finger is a cubit. So if we were to measure that for everybody in this room, we'd come up with the same measurement, right? No, we wouldn't. So we have what we call a short cubit, which is about 17 and a half inches, a little more now. We have what was later termed a royal cubit or a long cubit, which is about 20 inches. So as an average, a lot of times when we talk about cubits, we go 18 inches just to kind of give yourself an average, all right? So using that as a term, let me give you an idea of the size of the temple or the, this, this tabernacle thing. Um, if you were to look at, let's talk about this building. The, the outside area all the way around is 150 feet long. So if you take this new building that we're in, that's 100 feet. That building's 100 feet, and you go about to where our folding doors are in the old building, just a little short of that, that's how long we're talking about, okay? This building is 60 feet wide. We've got about 15 feet or so of, of, pay, of uh, cement out front where the handicapped parking is. So if you go from this wall to where the, the blacktop starts, that's about 75 feet. So that's about how big we're talking about, okay? Everybody kind of got that as a concept in your head? Seven to eight feet tall is the wall. The idea is you couldn't see over it. Uh, so it's, it's somewhere about that, that whole linen curtain, or that whole curtain thing that went around it. Uh, now let's talk about the holy place itself and the holy of holies. Uh, the holy of holies was a room uh, 15 by 15 by 15. So to give you an idea, this stage is about 15 feet, if I remember right, pretty close to that, maybe a little, a little shorter than that. So about this distance, um, that room is pretty close. This wall, from that wall to this wall, is about 15 feet. And this building, by the way, I'm going to guess we're close to 15 feet tall here. So the Holy of Holies is a room about, bring that out to there, go into that room, take it up 15 feet. That's about how big it was. The holy place, um, the, the, the holy place was about 45 feet. So, so when we... When we put it, it was 30 feet, actually. So it's going to go, so you figure if that's the wall, 15 feet for the Holy of Holies. Though this is probably about the wall somewhere in here for the Holy Place. So the Holy Place, where you have the showbread and the candlestick and everything, it's kind of about the size of this stage to that wall. And then you would go through there, and there was a great big curtain there. You go through there into the Holy of Holies, one time a year, high priest only. Okay, So that's size-wise what we're talking about. Okay, so uh, if you put that together in your head, that, that will help you understand that. Now, um, this, I had the girls, gals do this for me this morning. Okay, this is a square yard of material, pretty close to this, okay? In order to do this tabernacle, they had 300 of these. Uh, 167 of these were embroidered. That doesn't mean much to you until you stop to think about it for a minute. 
They didn't have fabric stores. So God said, need 300 square yards of material. Here's your sheep and goats. So they had to, I don't know what you do with it, what, shear them and then spin them and then clean them and comb them. And you did this at one point, didn't you? You just were, yeah, okay. So you got to do a lot of stuff to get 300 square yards. And then we're going to take 167 of those square yards and we're going to hand, and by the way, they don't have machines. All of this was done by hand. We're going to hand embroider 167 square yards of stuff. Because we want the outside wall to look nice. Okay, are we just starting to get a picture? Okay, starting to put this together a little bit of what a massive, massive project this was. Oh, and then by the way, we're going to put goat's hair over top of the tail. We need 133 square yards of that. So that's a lot of dead goats. Um, and tanned and skinned and all. Then they dyed some of it and then that. And then you have... 59 square yards of leather that was used for, for hoops and, and, and stuff to hang the stuff with. Um, wood, those of you guys who are woodworkers, uh, about 2,200 to 3,000 pounds of wood. Uh, when it gets to gold, it comes out to about 1,900 pounds of gold, of solid gold. Uh, 6,437 pounds of silver and 4,522 pounds of bronze. So for those of you who are, you know, math people, start, start putting those numbers together. We're going to in a second. Uh, inside of it, there's the ark, uh, which is wood covered with, with gold. Um, in there, they would put um, manna. They're, eventually, they're going to put manna, uh, Moses' rod, the Ten Commandments. On the top of that is a solid gold piece that is known as the mercy seat. That's where God would dwell. That's where they would sprinkle blood on uh, once a year at the high priest on the, on the Day of Atonement. Uh, there is a table of showbread. It's a, it's a special table. It's got four corners, special corners on it. They had the 12 loaves representing the 12 tribes of Israel that were on it. Uh, they had a golden candlestick. Some of you have seen a menorah, kind of that idea with one stem coming up and then thing. And it's interesting. Here's, here's an interesting idea. When you look at the, the, the layout of this thing, where the priest minister, there's a candlestick, okay, menorah, seven things that were lit with oil to give light. Okay, Where's the light in the Holy of Holies? There's no window and there's no light. The dwelling place got, by the way, the ark, Noah's ark, it even had a window. There's no light, there's no window built in this place. So there's the light from the candlestick, there's the, the light from God as he dwells in, in the holy place. Uh, you, then you have the, the other items, you have the, the bronze labor, you have the curtains, it ends up being 10 curtains of fine lemon, 42 by um, 7 feet, 11 curtains of goat hair, uh, ram skins that are dyed red, uh, badger skins uh, that are dyed. You have a veil, it was hung on golden hooks, uh, separating the holy place from the holy of holies. Uh, by the way, when Jesus dies on the cross, what happens is it says it was rent from top to bottom. Now, that was the temple, not the tabernacle, but again, it's the same concept. It's literally the idea that God just peeled it all back and said, okay, no more of this. People now have direct access to me. We'll talk about that when we get to communion. Um, and then you have the, the, the brazen altar and, and all of the other pieces. 
So that's the whole big picture. Now, let's talk about a couple principles and let's talk about some stuff that I think directly applies to us as we go out to live our lives this week. First, first idea is this. When God wants to be with his people, he puts his tabernacle in the middle of his people. See, God could have set this up 20 miles outside the camp and said, I need you to make the trek out there once a week or once a month or whatever else. No, no, no. God puts this thing right in the middle of his people. That's a tabernacle principle, a very important tabernacle principle. Why? Because God wants to be with his people. Um, this thing was unique. What's, what's interesting is even though God is in the middle of his people, God is different and separate and unique from his people. This is special. This is a special building. This is a special place. This is a unique place. And God says, look, one of the things I want you to understand is I want to be in the middle of where you are. And when God lays this out for the children of Israel, his issue is I'm not going to stay up here on the mountain. I'm going to be right in the middle of where you are, and this is what I want you to build for me. Later it's going to be a temple, and then that's going to be destroyed, and ultimately it's going to be us. But we'll get to that. But first principle you need to understand is God, this, this is all about God dwelling with his people. That's what this, this whole building thing is about. Second idea that you learn about this is that when we look at this idea of the tabernacle, one of the things that you see is there is incredible beauty and incredible expense spent on this place. So I ran some numbers this week. All right? You know what 1,900 pounds of gold would cost in today's economy? $53.5 million is the value of the gold in this little small building. Here is what $45 million will buy you in America today. It's actually been marked down. It started at 58. This is in Colorado. All right? It has uh, eight bedrooms. It has, or wait a minute, seven bedrooms, eight full baths, three and a half half baths. Uh, it has 876 acres. Uh, it uh, has in it, it's got everything. It's got, a, it's got a little pitching green. It's got a, a, a pool deal that the wall goes, the, the clear wall goes up so you can swim outside or you can swim inside. Uh, it's, it's an amazing property. This is what $45 million will buy you. So if you're looking for a deal after the service, I'll get, I can put you in touch with them. Uh, but... $45 million. Now, here's what I want you to understand. God spends $53.5 million on a tent. Uh, I'm sorry, just the gold for the tent. We're not talking about the value of the, of, of the silver, which ends up being about $2 million. And we're not talking about all the time and energy and effort in all of the materials for this tabernacle. Because you see, one of the things that you need to understand about God is that God, God sees value differently than we do. And God says, if I'm going to dwell somewhere, I'm going to dwell somewhere that reflects my beauty and my glory and my awesomeness. And this, I mean, you can just imagine what this place was like with all the gold. And then, by the way, when... Solomon comes along and builds a temple. It far outshines the tabernacle. And it's going to get built a couple of times because it's going to get destroyed and then rebuilt. 
Uh, so, so you need to understand this idea because this is an important principle for us. And then the idea is this. Think about how much was involved in doing this thing as far as the people goes, as far as people go. I asked some ladies before the service, I said, how long would it take you to embroider this square yard of material? You know, how long? You know, I got asked all the questions. Well, with machine or by hand? By hand. How long do you have to work on it? Every day, all day. I said, a month maybe? It's a lot of work. Oh, by the way, 163 times. I mean, I got news for you. You got up that morning and you didn't have anything to do. You were embroidering by the end of the day. Everybody's involved in it. Everybody was involved in it. Everybody was involved in getting the wood ready and doing it. It was like, uh, what, you know, well, I don't know. I don't, I, don't know uh, I don't know how to embroider. Great, come on, we'll teach you. Well, I don't know how to tan goat skins. Come on, we'll teach you. Well, I don't know how to dye stuff. We'll teach you. I don't know how to make sockets for the posts, and we'll teach you. And just think about carrying this stuff. Because, again, this temple was, this tabernacle was portable. Um, I did, the, I did again, I ran some numbers. Um, I, I, I ran some numbers on this thing. 12,000 pounds of metal got moved every time they moved the tabernacle. You, can you imagine? You know, I mean, look, you know, you're like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't do nothing. I don't know how to, can you carry something? Here, move. 300 square yards of material had to be moved. Uh, 2,000 to 3,000 pounds of wood. Every time God said, hey, we're going to the next place, it was like, oh, oh yeah, the tabernacle. We've got to take that down and put it back up. Every time. Everybody is involved in this thing. And, and sometimes when we think about this, we don't think of those things. We don't think of the massive amount of work to slay all of these animals, to, to tan the hides, to... Uh, make the cloth, to embroider the cloth, to sew the cloth together, to put this thing together. Because this is a massive project. So you go, you go okay, Pastor, that's, all that stuff's really fun and, and, and fascinating and all that, but look, i got to go to work tomorrow, so tell me how it works out for me. Here we go. First thing. I, I, we minimize this, and particularly as evangelical Christians and, 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 and farm rule America, there is a place for beauty in, in, in God's kingdom. Yeah, you think about it for a minute. When God created the world, he could have only made it black and white. He could have gotten stuck on one color, made everything yellow. You know, Claire's going, yay! No. Um, no, it's, I mean, even dots. I put dots up here this morning. I'm like, I want to spread out the colors. Uh, why? Because there, 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 there's a value in beauty and art. And I think we forget that because we become so practical sometimes that we forget that. But when God builds his tabernacle, you know what he says? I, I, I'm going to put incredible beauty within this place. He didn't have to, but he does. I think there's something to be said for that. And one of the things that I think we neglect sometimes is to miss the beauty in what God has put around us every day. You live in, you, you, look, we live in some of the most beautiful country in the, in, in the country. 
And we get all four seasons. And, and we get to see, you know, I, I know some of you don't like winter. I love winter. I love, I love when I go look out my window and it, everything is white and sparkly and little icicles hanging in the trees and the sun reflecting off of it. God didn't have to do that, but he does. Because God has got a beauty. I mean, even this past week, you know, when we went away, um, you know, I, and again, it's a practical thing, but um, you, you know me, I'm a glass blower. I love blowing glass. I love anything to do with glass. And um, so, so I bought a couple of glass art pieces this week. I spent $45 on a piece of glass that sits on my shelf. Why? Because it brings joy and beauty into my life. Because I enjoy it. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think we have to, now again, you know, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm spending, you know, $10,000 on glass art and, and my family's starving, that's a different ballgame. But, but, but for us to understand that there's, God puts value on, on, on beauty. All right? So, so you know, we kind of need to reach, and again, I'm all about being practical. When we built this building, it was all about practical. Then we went online and realized we got to do something with beauty. Uh, so we added the stone thing. We're probably going to do the same thing in the lobby, on the wall out there. Why? Because there, there's something to be said for that. The second idea is this, and, and this is what you see um, as a fundamental tab tabernacle principle, is that God wants to be with his people. He wants to be in the middle of his people. So God establishes this principle to put the tabernacle in the middle of his people. There's an interesting passage in John, and here's what it says. And the word, this is speaking of Jesus, was made flesh. And you see that little word dwelt? Let me give you the Greek translation, the actual Greek translation of that word. And the word was made flesh and tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He says, when Jesus comes to this earth, Jesus plops himself in the middle of humanity. Not, not way out, no, not, not in, the, in the temple and with all the religious rulers or whatever else. When he comes as king of king, when he comes as king, he's born in a manger, not in the palace. Why? He wanted to be in the middle of the people. That's a tabernacle principle that you see. And it's important that you and I understand that. When God says, I want to be somewhere, I want to be in the middle of my people. You see that in the Old Testament. When Jesus comes to the earth, he says, I want to be in the middle of my people. So Jesus comes in tabernacles among us. The word made flesh. God wrapped in a human body. One guy says, God in a bod. Um, that's what it is. God in a human body. He is 100% God, 100% man with the issue that he can't sin, doesn't sin. But he is the God-man. It's the deity of Christ, and that's what we see. So we see this wrapped up in, in Jesus where he dwells right smack dab in the middle of his people. Now, how does that apply to us? Go to this. Listen to Ephesians. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and you are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and their prophets. He says, your, you, your life as a child of God goes all the way back to the prophets, Moses, the apostles, the, you know, Peter, James, John, disciples, all that group. 
Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Here's what he says. He says, look, Old Testament tabernacle, God in the middle of his people, Jesus Christ in the middle of his people. Jesus Christ leaves. He's no longer here anymore. He sends the Holy Spirit. Where does the Holy Spirit dwell? In the hearts, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have of God. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Glorify God with your body and your spirit, which are his. So now God's temple, God's dwelling place is where? Me. And where does God put me? God, in essence, says, and now I'm going to take and... I'm going to take and I'm going to put these little temples, these little tabernacles all over the Woodbury County area. And I'm going to take you and I'm going to put your, I'm going to put me, God in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm going to take you and I'm going to plop you into wherever you're going to work tomorrow and wherever you shop tomorrow and whoever you talk to tomorrow. You are going to reflect, just as this tabernacle reflected my glory, just as Jesus Christ shows forth his glory, you and I go into the world to reflect the glory and awesomeness of our God. You are now my temple. You are now the tabernacle. You are now the place that I'm going to put you. So some of you are sitting here going, Pastor, I don't understand why I am where I am. It, you don't have to understand it. Just be the temple of God where he's put you. That's all you've got to do. You go, well, I don't, you know, I can't do much. Look, and the whole idea of the temple was everybody worked together. Everybody had a part. There were some people who helped put up the tabernacle. There were some people that carried the, 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 the socket. There were some people who put the thing. There were some people that, 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 that embroidered. There were some people who, who butchered the animals. There's, everybody had a part in this thing. And the reason it's successful is because everybody does what they can do in order to set up the tabernacle wherever God wanted it to go. The way the kingdom of God is successful for you and I to do what God wants us to do where God has us. Um, one of the things that radically changed my thinking when it came to rural ministry was this. A guy by the name of H.B. London, here's what he said. Um, there are no small places in the kingdom of God. There are no insignificant jobs. There are no insignificant places in the kingdom of God. Wherever God has you is where God wants to use you. So let him. You go, well, you don't understand. You know, there's so many other people that live the Christian life better. Maybe. First of all, you don't know their world. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But here's the thing. God hasn't put them where he's put you. God put you where he put you. So be the, be the testimony of God. That thing. You go, well, you know, I just, I'm just not that good. It, it doesn't just be the light and the testimony that God's called you to be. That's the challenge. And in the same way that the tabernacle was in the middle of it, God was in the middle of his people. In the same way that Jesus was on this earth in the middle of his people, God continues to be in the middle of the people that he loves and cares about and wants to reach. And he lets us be a part of that. He lets us do that. And I just want to challenge you because I think so many times people look at it and go, well, you know, my job's just blank. 
No, 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 no. Your job is a tabernacle or a temple that God has placed in the world that he's got you in so that people can see his glory in your life. That, my friend, there is no higher calling. Well, God could use so many other people so much better. He didn't choose to do that. He chose to use you, so let him use you. And that's what I think we miss sometimes when we talk about the tabernacle. The whole idea of the tabernacle is God's in the middle of his people. And you and I are now the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God, the Holy Spirit in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, so that just as they could see the glory and truth of Jesus Christ, they can see the glory of God in our lives. So I challenge you with this as we end this morning. God designs the tabernacle to allow him to be close to his people. It was unique, beautiful, and the center of the life of Israel. We're the tabernacle of God, designed for the same purposes. This week, as we live in the world, we would be unique, beautiful reflections of God's glory and God's love and his concern. Each of us has a role. So let's do our part. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes this stuff becomes so routine that we don't think about it in terms of how it applies to us today. And Lord, for whatever reason, you have put us where you put us. And Lord, we may get frustrated at the situation or the people we work with or the, or, or the, or the, the circumstances of our job and minimize the opportunities that we have. Lord, help us not to do that this week. Literally, may people see you in us. Lord, in a world that's filled with despair and hopelessness, may they see a people of uh, hope who are fearless, who are clear and committed to you. And Lord, may they see the peace of God in our lives in a world that offers very little of that. So use us this week. And when we get together next week, Lord willing, we can look back at ways that you have used us and give you the honor and the glory of these things we ask in your name.